For those of you who have lost money, like millions overnight. For those of you who are or have been in personal debt. For those of you who have been at rock bottom, ready to give up. Get ready because it's gonna get a whole lot worse. And that's a great thing. This is Below Zero to Hero, a brain dump by The Fail Coach, helping entrepreneurs develop a healthy relationship with failure. Look, failure can't be feared. It's the number one killer of creativity, ideas, dreams, and even entrepreneurs themselves. And it's thought will never get in your way again. With the right mindset, failure can be step one into a new journey of being a better leader, having better balance, better relationships, and most importantly, success. So bring it on. This is Below Zero to Hero with The Fail Coach. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Dumb by The Fail Coach. Um, I have my friend Dominic today as a guest here with me. And um, Dominic, welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. And maybe in the beginning, if you can just quickly introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what you do, and then we'll pick it up from there. Thank you, sir. I am honored to be on with you today. Um, if you ask who I am, my name is Dominic Damaski. I'm a Pittsburgh guy. Grew up in the blue collar world. My dad has a landscape company. I started picking up cigarette butts and pulling weeds when I was about 12 years old. I opened a restaurant. That was my dream. I opened a restaurant. I lost myself half a million dollars. I went broke. I lost a house, lost a car. And from that point, I was a student of inspiration. And I started, um, I studied inspiration, studied the guys like you, studied the Del Carnegie's, the Norman Vincent Peels. And I started thinking, you know, I got something to say. It's a little bit different. It might be about getting beat up. It might be about getting cut from the team. And I found a publisher, wrote my first book. And that was the root of a company I now have called Motivation Champs, where we share inspiration 24-7 uh, across the globe and help other people do the same. Perfect. I mean, I love how you were able to pick yourself up and, you know, now you are uh, motivating, inspiring and helping so many others. It's, it's really nice when, uh, you know, a story of certain adversity or certain uh, uh, hardship uh, then makes such a huge turn and it comes back even more powerful uh, than ever before. Uh, so Dominic, uh, tell us a little bit about, about more about your story. I mean, you know, um, how, how did that all go? The, the, the losing the restaurant, how did you even start the restaurant in the first place? Okay. If you want to dive a little bit into it. Sure. And the thing is like growing up, I growing up, it was probably the eighties back in, in the States and the thing about it, like you went out to the restaurants with your parents and it was almost like a, a glamorous thing. And so I, I think I saw that and went out to the bars back then with your parents and you'd sit there and play video games and that kind of thing while they did their thing. And it was just a way of life. And I always saw that as, oh, I'd, I'd like to be that. I'd like to be the place where people went to have a good time, where they went to connect. And so we, we developed when I always had that dream. Of, That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. So at, at a young age, 23, I opened 
I opened a restaurant. This was before the first mortgage bubble burst out this way. And I, I opened that restaurant, probably a little premature. I was probably underfinanced, but in, in life you go for things. And, and that's what I did. I went for it. But three years later, the roads were under construction in front of me. There was a mall across the street. It closed. And I really was robbing Peter to pay Paul and on the verge of just a complete, I, I mean, I did collapse financially, but I was on the verge of even on the verge of going to jail. You start becoming a person you don't want to become. And, and that's kind of the point where I decided, well, it's time to, close this it's time to step away you lost it all and at that point i had studied inspiration um but i, I closed at that point and and now it was on to find a new direction in life lovely but tell me when when you went bankrupt how did that look like you know like how was that story like uh, did everything just collapsed on you in one moment or was it a slow burn out that just kept going and kept going uh how was it when you realized that you know uh oh shit like this went too far and then a little bit about the bounce back sure thing and, and i know i know you've been through similar situations i study you and i'm a big fan and one of the things <laughs> thank you <laughs> one of the things that one of the things that like when you're going down so there was months where there was months where you made a lot of money and you had like after a year and a half we were looking at second locations because we're like this is, we're never going to do bad it's going to keep going good and so number one you probably weren't prepared for the bad times like today in society a lot of things are going on and maybe you could never really be, pre be prepared but i wasn't prepared at all i didn't have any backup i had to do good every month to survive and when things started to turn, when the roads went under construction, when the mall was closed, and when things went bad, I didn't have rich uncles. I didn't have a rich family. I didn't have the backup that I needed. So each month first, because I believed in myself, I still do, you always said, oh, next month's going to be better. Next month's going to be better. I can do this. I can turn this around. So you looked for the good times again. And you didn't really believe it's almost like the stages of grief, anger, acceptance. You didn't accept your, your lot. So on one hand, you kept fighting, fighting. Oh, I'm going to turn this around. Now you lost another 20. Now you lost another 30. That, you know, now you lost another 50. And that, those, now, it's, now you're paying penalties and interest on the money you owed now. But you still believed, oh, I'm going to turn this around. But the debt just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then what you really, where I really started to, like, know that my time was coming to an end, you started to become a person that you weren't. Meaning, almost robbing Peter to pay Paul. Meaning, you were going to do something against your values. You were going to, oh, well, okay, you, back then there was like a lot of loan sharks and things. So I'd sell my debt to them get in more debt and then sell my debt to somebody else. And it was just a dangerous cycle and you were getting deeper and deeper and deeper. So when we thought about um, Dominic, Dominic, yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing. So, you know, our audience is quite international and they might not know or uh, necessarily understand, you know, 
Peter the PayPal. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm guessing this is more like a US type of uh, uh, word. Uh, yeah. Can you explain a little bit what does that mean? Yeah, so what that means is you start taking from one place to pay at another place. So you start stealing from, uh, not necessarily stealing, but you start, you realize, oh, well, what I'll do is I won't pay this bill to pay this bill. I'll let this debt go deeper to pay a debt over here. I'll, I'll pay cash here so I don't have to pay this bill over here. And what that does is all of a sudden multiple, one, you're spreading out the debt in a lot of places. And then that just keeps growing. Okay, I owe the IRS or I owe the government that is coming to collect sales tax. They're not going to be here for three months. So I don't necessarily need to pay them now or save that money now. I can pay some of those other bills now with that money. Now, what happened is now three months later, they come for that money and you don't have it. And that's how you take from one place to, to pay another place. Okay. So yeah, sorry for jumping uh, like in like that. Um, you, you were then explaining uh, about, uh, you know, the, the, the starting to bounce back. Um, of course. So what happens here in the process is, so basically, at, so we were debating like, uh-oh, like my wife and me, should we close? Should we close? No, we can do this. No, we can do this. And then what happened, the IRS, they used to come in and they'd come in periodically and say, hey, you owe us X amount of dollars. You owe us X amount of dollars. And they finally came in one day and they said, well, you got three options. You can pay us the money you owe us. You can close or you can go to jail. And if you've ever seen me, I am not cut out for jail. I got little, uh, little small arms and a skinny neck. I don't think I was going to make it in jail. <laughs> so it was, it was at that point where you really decide, okay, it, it's, there is no other option at this point because you may have kept going. I already kept going maybe too long, but there's a point that now you have to close. And now that's the time in your life where you have to make the decision. We had just found out my, my wife was pregnant at the time. Uh, we had tried to have children for years, but when we found that out, you know, the closing, I, I had been a student of inspiration earlier on. And as we went through those struggles, I studied those guys more and more and more. And so the first thing I did, the bounce back, I got a job, the first job I could get in sales. And this is how long ago it was. I sold yellow page ads. That's a book with ads for the phone. I, they don't even exist a lot of times anymore. But it was, you'd go out, you'd make, you'd sell somebody a little two inch ad or a four inch ad or a half page ad. And that was my bounce back. And what we did in sales early on, the company I worked for was very big at on writing your goals down and so I, I'd start writing, okay, pay back 5,000, pay back 10,000, get new house, pay off this deal. And once, once I started writing my goals, as I said earlier, I started thinking I had something to say. And it be, all of a sudden those sentences became chapters, chapters became, uh, you know, a book. And next thing I knew I had, I had wrote my first book and that was the foray, the foundation into writing and motivation and 
where we are today. Um, were, were you able or unable to do personal bankruptcy on things that you owned or how did that go? Well, I did. First, as a young man, you file, we were a corporation, so we filed what was called a corporate bankruptcy. And, but what you didn't know, like I said, I was probably young and naive at the time, I had personally guaranteed a lot of that debt. And so instantly we filed a, a corporate bankruptcy, but it wasn't enough to protect us. And so the companies and the creditors, they started coming after me personally. And so we did, we filed a personal bankruptcy also, and it took years. I was in a government repayment plan where they would garnish our, they would garnish, unfortunately, for my wife. She, and she's still with me today, but she stuck with me. And we, they garnished both of our wages for years and years and years and years. And that was just part of the, the build up. So there was times like in those yellow page cells where they were garnished, they were taking so much of my wage that I, that we did that. We had, used to have this contest where if you sold three cells in a week, you could reach in a bag of $1 bills or $5 bills or whatever was in there and pull out money. So you could pull out like $40, $50, whatever it was. And sometimes I'd have to have this three cells or so much of my money was garnished that I would only have that 50 or $40 to provide for my family. And I did. And then, in America here, the double cheeseburgers at the time were like a dollar. So I could usually get a bottle, of, take a bottle of water and a jug of water and uh, get myself a double cheese for lunch and make it through. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't easy. It really wasn't easy. But what about the lessons learned throughout that? And, and what got you then to do what you do today? Like what changed in that journey? I think what changed along the way was um, you, when I wrote the first book, it was a lot about the goals and, and, and it was too much about me in high, like, I don't even sell the book today. I, I have retired on my website for it and things like that, because the book was, I did this. I came back from bankruptcy. I'm so special. I'm the greatest. That's how I perceive it today. And what I realized over the years were, one, people would, they'd have me come speak or they'd want, want to talk about the book. And when I had the book, they would start asking me to help write them a book or how did you do it or what was the process? And I made a lot of mistakes along the way, like sold all my rights and things in the book, like I said, wasn't good enough, the first one. But over the years, I started realizing that everybody has a story. And that's the root of Motivation Champs is you have a story. Your listeners have a story. The people fighting coronavirus right now and things like that, they have a story. And I realized that I want to help all these people share their story. That's the strength. That's the power. That's my passion. And so we kept developing ways to help people share their story, whether it's our, we have all kinds of social media pages. It's called Motivation Champs. We help people publish books so they can share their story. Maybe they don't just want to share. Sometimes they can share on social media a picture of their kid's report card. They got an A. Great job. They can post a quote from Buddha. Great job. They might post a, a video you made on YouTube and say, look, look at what this guy's doing. And that's what Motivation Champs is. We share inspiration, smiles, and positivity 24-7. Let's then turn this conversation around in this direction. So 
a lot of our listeners or most of our listeners are entrepreneurs or future entrepreneurs. And, you know, uh, we all know how personal branding is very important or can add a lot on top of what you're already doing. And one of great ways to, to do some personal branding is, of course, uh, to write the book, to, to have a book. Uh, now, what maybe some advice and, and guidance can you offer uh, in this interview for those who maybe are thinking or maybe even let's start with the ones that do have a story, but maybe they think that their story is nothing special? To your point, I, I believe that everybody has a story. Each is, each is unique and each is special and each can help one person out there at a minimum. There's somebody right now that's going through what you've already overcome, something that you've already achieved, something that maybe they want to be in business, maybe they want to be a good cricket player, whatever it may be. There's something you've already done that they want to achieve. So your story is going to help somebody else. And I would say to back up a second, when somebody's debating, oh, what do I want to write about? What am I going to talk about? I would say to them, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? And once you focus on those things first, okay, if I, like I love, I and me, let's say it's basketball or whatever it may be, you business. If you love business, it's going to be such a natural fit for you, even sharing that message. So I'll, I'll back up a lot of times with authors. And my real, my root, what I really get into is why are you writing this book? What, what do you hope to get out of it? What do you hope to achieve? And like, like I have a guy, his, his name's Paul Gray. Look him up on the internet. It's great, grace, grace to all. Paul his message is to share God's grace, God's goodness. So when Paul gets one more follower, when one more person hears that message that he shares, Paul won. And that's what I would say to, to whoever's writing the book. What is your win? And if, if one more person gets Paul's message and learns from Paul, he wins. And if you can keep it that hyper-focused on what what's your why on why you did it you're gonna win okay so let's say i did decide to write a book now how how would you guide me through the process okay so number one i am a huge there's 50 number ones but one of the things i believe in <laughs> yeah you know i can go a thousand ways one of the things i believe in hugely is dictating into your phone or because some the first thing somebody's going to tell me, well, I don't have time to write. I'm going to say to you, that's you. There is time. There's time in the morning. Get up earlier. Stay up later. There's time when you're dropping your kids off at football practice or basketball or whatever. When you're sitting in the car, when you're on the train, you could write in little notebooks. I I believe you should have little notebooks everywhere. Um, I believe you should dictate, speak into your phone, and email it to yourself. That's what I want you to do when you're in that tight space, you got 10 minute break at lunch or something, dictate in your notes section in your phone, email it to yourself, put it in a file. Whatever you write, I want you to get it in a file as quick as possible. So I don't want any of your listeners telling, saying, hey, Dominic told me write down in all these little notebooks and then I lost him or 
you, you know, they, I spilled a cup of coffee on them. I want you to write in those little notebooks and then get it into the computer and save it. And that's really, you get that process, you're, you're well on your way. Okay. Um, but it doesn't end just with that. No, absolutely um, not. You, you have to then actually put it together. You have to um, edit it uh, and, and, and so on. Put it on publishing. And even if you want to publish, you need that uh, number. Uh, what, what's it called? Uh, uh, um, you know, the library number or something that you have to put on each book. And, and, and the so I, IS, ISBN number. So to go deeper into the publishing process, if you, if you want to, that's what we do. We help people publish books. So what you want to do is you, you have to organize what's in file and, and really keep writing, keep writing, structure it more and more and more. Usually what I do when I work with somebody, I'll say, send me what you got. Send me what you got. And they'll be like, well, I only have a line. Okay. I only have a thousand. I only have a thousand words. Okay. Send me what you got. So you need to find, you either need to study self-publishing or get with an expert in some way that can help you, a developmental editor, a publisher that works on that kind of thing to help you steer your vision. If your if your vision isn't clear, you need to uh, find that somebody to assist you. But I will say, if your vision is clear, let's say you you might have a manuscript that's, you might have 60,000 words ready to go. What I think any of your listeners should do is if you're ready to publish, you should go out and you should look up publishers and you should try to find publishers in your genre. So if you wrote about sports, find one putting out books on sports. If you write write about business, find one putting out business, business books. And it may be they are looking for your, they might be looking for a book about failure from a coach right now. And they may give you some lump sum. They may develop it. They may do all the editing, editing, formatting and everything for you. So that's one scenario. And then I just tell you to always send out those query letters and things because you never know. And that, that would be where I would start if you have the completed manuscript. Then there's, there's a business of it. The business of it is understanding. Like I say, when I wrote my first book, I gave up. I made every mistake there was. I gave up 80% of my rights. The, the book wasn't edited good enough. It was silly. And you really need to understand the business of books and do your, do your homework. Okay. Um, what, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen with yourself, like the biggest mistakes and how would you do them differently nowadays? Okay. And this is something that, this is where I like almost my niche, niche, where I, I would say, I'll, I, I would tell you or anybody, I'll say, go out and explore and see who else is out there because you're going to come across the publishers that are just trying to prey on your prey on your hopes and dreams. You're going to come across people that are the shady businessmen and things like that. And that's why I tell you, do your, do your due diligence, do your research, really explore and learn the business as much as you can. So for number one, when I found my first publisher, I gave up 80% of my rights. I wrote this book seven years ago. And the other day I got a check for, so I still get checks, but the check I got was for $2. And it's just funny because I gave up 80% of the rights on every book when really 
I didn't need to do that. And that's something where you're, you really need to look at the, what is the deal? Oh, uh, this publisher is signing me and they're giving me an, an, an advance or they're signing me and they're paying me all, all my costs. Well, maybe, maybe you should have paid 3000 or 5,000 or 2000 or whatever, or 10, whatever that number is to publish. Well, maybe you should have paid that and got rid of the publisher or had a different type of publisher because like I got one guy, he goes and he gets about 15 to 20 grand every time he walks in the room to speak and all the people in the audience get one of his books. And so he doesn't need to give up the rights on his book. He doesn't need a publisher because he's already a, de uh, a sizable name. So he needs a lower cost book, you know, per print book so that his margins are higher when he walks in that room. So those are the types of things that you, you learn and study throughout the process. Okay. Um, Dominic, like, okay, so I, I wrote a book. I found you. You helped me publish it. And now I have a book. Now I have to promote it. Otherwise, you know, it won't be read by the people that it was meant for. Um, so do you have any good suggestions on that? Yeah, I'm uh, sure you do. <laughs> yeah, I, I try. And the thing about it is, when does marketing your book start? So let's say any of your reader, any of your listeners are going to write a book. They have this idea. I'm going to go, I'm going to write a book. When does that process start? When does the marketing process start? Yesterday. Meaning to, I, I sometimes I'll, I'll work with somebody and, they, and they'll write a book. And then all of a sudden, they're going to go on social media. They're going to go speak or they're going to do something for the first time. Well, now you're doing something for the first time that you should have been doing for 12 months before building your brand. You mentioned brand earlier, building your market. I'm a big believer um, that it always shouldn't be about the ask. You shouldn't always be saying in the social world and Hey, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. Instead, you should be offering value. And that's what I would say, offer value now. Give so that later on, when you do ask for the sell, that they, they want to be part of it. And so on that, I'm not going to stop with that. But that would be my first basic free principle is start, start being social, get out there, get into the groups, start communicating with people, support them, and maybe later they will support you. Okay, yeah, that's a really solid advice. I mean, while you are already working on your book, you can do so much that you can then benefit later on once it's published because you already have an audience. You're not building it from a scratch. Absolutely. Um, cool. Um, well, if, if somebody wants to start with that, um, where can they reach out to you? I mean, you know, uh, how how... Or in what stage should they reach out to you? So really, here's what it, what we do at our root is we share inspiration, positivity, positivity and smiles 24-7. And it's called Motivation Champs. You can look up Motivation Champs across any form of social media, any on, on Google, whatever it is. Motivation Champs, you can email me at motivationchamps at gmail.com, but just look up Motivation Champs, message me, direct message me, email me, however you want to do that, and we'll start the process. And, and what I always say is my, my belief is if it's a fit, if it's meant to be, it'll be meant to 
it, it will work out. I don't, I don't push. I will steer you in the right direction one way or another. Sometimes I'll say to uh, a prospect, a client, you don't need a book at this point. You need a Twitter page. Or I was talking to somebody the other day, he's got a great idea. And I'm say, I said to him, you don't need a book. You should be doing YouTube videos. And I am a complete believer that everybody takes their medicine differently. Everybody gets their message. Everybody gets their inspiration in a different form. And what we try to do is I want my authors to be in all forms. I believe it is just as important to be out in the public. I believe it's just as important to do video. I was at a, a, a business event the other day and like a networking event and somebody asked me something about writing books and I was like, well, the first thing you got to do is be good at video. And, and they really, they, yeah, they really came back, came back at me and they were like, what, well, I'm going to write a book and I need to be good at video. I, and just as quickly, I said, in today's world, you do. It is a part of the process. Now, I'm not saying there's, you'll, there's different forms of video and sharing your process, but you need to be in every format. And that's what, like right now, we have people coming to us with documentary ideas or screenplay ideas. So maybe, hey, maybe your, maybe your book should be a children's book. Maybe your concept should also be a documentary. And that's kind of the development of what we do. We, it's, you come to us with that creative idea, that inspirational idea, that, that business book, that health book, that fitness book. And we will steer you in a direction that is going to help you win and be successful. Sweet. Well, Dominic, um, we have to, I think we have to touch upon what's happening in, in, in this crazy world today uh, with the viruses and, and uh, all other things that are happening and, and so on. What's your take on this? What's Motivational Champs' um, role in this whole thing? Wow. Really, it's... I, I know, see... it's, 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 it's a hard topic, I know, and it's crazy what's happening. Absolutely. And I think my role, it being authentic to my, being authentic to who I am, I am not a doctor. I am not qualified to give um, health tips or anything like that. What I, what I know and what I've studied for 20 years is inspiration, positivity, overcoming adversity, um, obstacles and challenges. And I've seen how strong, um, I've seen the resolve before of, of the world after things like 9-11, after catastrophes. And I understand that they have the tools to overcome this. It, it, it's a change, it's different. But my role is probably encouraging people, letting them know there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There is, there is uh, better days ahead. We have to hunker down. We have to heed the advice of the experts. And I just want to not stop letting people know the world is still a good place. It's still, it's still a, great, a great place. And so what we do is every day we try to find those stories. We try to encourage people and we, we continue to share this, um, this good and these uplifting stories. Lovely. Um, what's the best way, you know, 
you ha we, we all have to stay at home um, or we should stay at home. And, you know, um, what's the best way in, in your opinion to um, make our days happier, smilier, uh, enjoyable and so on so that we can, you know, push through these times because we like right now, nobody knows uh, how long this will take, how long, uh, what an impact that will have. I mean, there are guesses, there's a lot of talking uh, uh, about it, but in reality, I don't think that there's anybody who really knows for sure uh, how this whole thing will impact the world and change the world, whether that's for the best or not for the best, we, we don't know, but you know, what can we do to change it for the best? I think one of, one of the lessons that um, I've learned or that I'm trying to become better at is to control the controllable. I can only control, like right now, I can only control what's going on in these four walls, you know, of my house. And I, I can't control what's going on outside. So in this time, all I can do is become the best Dominic I can be. And really, whether it's playing the piano, whether it's studying something that you want to become better at, whether it's maybe eating a little healthier during this time, whether it's, there are, there are things that you can do to work on yourself during these times to, to improve yourself. Like we can't, I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I, I can make sure that I come out of it prepared, stronger, that, that the people in these walls are, are prepared. They're healthy. They're, they're having, having a fun day, having a good day. I can't, I can't focus. Like I've heard people say like even watching the news and things like that, you, you, at some point of the day, you got to turn it off and look to the good look to like playing like we've done we played rummy card games we've played we've done puzzles here we've we've just tried to probably simplify life a little bit and enjoy each other and what and also not to double down but this is a time where there's there there is we are lucky that we can do things like podcast and social media and FaceTime. And we should take advantage of those technologies and, and be social. Just like there's different ways to hear this message, there's different ways to be social. And it doesn't mean that you can't still get on those pages and like other people's stuff and share pictures of your vacation last year and, and find a positive outlet. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, no, nothing's stopping you. To, to still have the positive attitude towards the whole thing. And uh, yeah, like we already, like you said, um, you can only do what you can do. You can't do what you can't do. So um, you should take control of what you can and accept what you can't um, and uh, use the best that you can from what you have. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, strange words in there but uh, like what I'm trying to say is uh, to practice total ownership of um, what you can do um, and to be in charge of your own life and uh, don't let anybody steal that away from you um, the worst thing that 
you can do right now is to go into negative emotions, negative self-talk, uh, because that won't change anything. It won't help with anything. Uh, it will only make the whole situation worse. Um, Dominic, do you think that there will be some significant changes in how we operate, how we live, how we do business? Or is this just a temporary thing and we'll go back to where we were uh, after this is over? That's an interesting Interesting, really interesting question because there's so it's so uh, deep. Because on one hand, are people going to crave social interaction after moving towards the computers, being away from restaurants and bars, being away from retail stores? So right now, some of the experts are predicting the death of retail because a whole generation is going to have become more familiar with online retail, online sales, online everything. But I, I, I wonder, I'm throw it back to you, I question, I wonder after being cooped up for 90 days, 60 days, however long it is, are, are we gonna love a trip to the grocery store and uh, Walmart or Target or wh whatever the place is? I, I don't know that answer, but it is definitely interesting. That's a, that's a very good perspective, yes. like maybe we will start loving this new reality and we will never go back to old ways or maybe after i don't know three months or or six months or whatever inside the house mostly uh the grocery stores and the shopping centers will be like oh we have uh we have to go back there and and they will start reliving again who knows who knows it's um go, go ahead dominic this is just it's interesting because let's say I have a friend that lives in California near the beach and in California, sunny California near the beach. And I live in Pittsburgh where it rains 75% of the time. And we have four seasons, it snows, it, you know, we have zero degrees, but the person that lives in California, in some ways they go surfing, they go bike riding, they are outside a lot more and they have a different life. And here, it, it is a more indoor life because of the snow and things like that. And I, I do wonder, to, to your point, I wonder what's going to happen and when everything changes. Will we say, hey, a return to outdoors. I want to go hiking in the woods. I want to go to the creek. I want to go to the beach, wherever it is. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I am excited to see what the future has to, to hold one way or another. Well, absolutely. At the end of the day, we'll all have to just wait and see. Uh, and we will be much wiser once this will all be over. Uh, Dominic, my last question. You know, I used to ask uh, this one. What's your last golden nugget of wisdom? But right now, I want to ask you a different one. How are you, Dominic, prepared for everything that's happening in the world? What's your number one tip, something that you are practicing that anybody can do to prepare themselves for, for these turbulent times? It is definitely turbulent times. And it's, it's such a as, a, as a believer in inspiration and positivity and in having seen all, that, all the good that can come of those, those beliefs. 
I would just encourage everybody to stay, stay the course, be positive, know that, yeah, oh, Dom, that's bull. How, how can I stay, how can I stay positive in a time like this? Because there are better days ahead because you have the, you have the tools to get by. I, I would say this, like, well, I'm, somebody's going to be say, I'm afraid now. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And my answer to that, it's, it's a quote by George R.R. R. Martin. There's no shame in fear. What matters is how we face it. And that, so I'm going to leave that nugget. There's no shame in being afraid right now, but you have the tools. You have the, the resolve. You can get through it and just keep your head down and move forward. Better days are ahead. I love it. I really do. Um, Dominic, where do I start? Thank you for being my guest. Thank you for sharing all the, the your story, tips for people who might want to become published authors, your overview of life and what we can do um, now and in these times. You've given us so much, I think, through this interview. I really appreciate you for, you know, who you are, what you do. Uh, I appreciate you for being my guest, for sharing the knowledge, the wisdom, the advice, the inspiration, all of that. Thank you, and sir. I really, really wish you all, all, all the best on the journey uh, that's ahead of you and ahead of us. And, uh, well, I wish you also health and, and, and everything for you, for your loved ones, for your family uh, during especially this, this crazy times. Take care, Dominic.